0: Hi, I'm Ryan, and I'm Derek, and And we are are Ghost Ghost Warriors. Well, we're back after a bit of a break. Uh, but but there's some good news with that. We now have our own studio.
1: That's right. We have our new studio in partnership with the Polk County Itemizer Observer here in Dallas, Oregon.
0: Yeah, and we want to support local journalism as much as we can. Uh, you have a personal connection to the Polk IO, as it's called.
1: A little bit. I am a reporter for them, so yeah.
0: A reporter. So is, is, you know, kind of walk us through that. So, you know, a lot of journalists, you know, with the big papers, they have their own like section for which they write. Uh, what do you cover? So
1: I mostly cover human interest stories. Basically, um, I go around to all the different cities in Polk County, which is Dallas, Monmouth, Independence, and uh fall city here in
0: oregon in the good old us of a
1: and i go uh basically see what people are doing i go check on businesses uh do ribbon cuttings when a new business opens and i just really like gathering their stories that's why i I like doing what i do and Hmm. i think that's why um i'm into the paranormal because that those are stories on their own
0: interesting so would you say that your passion for journalism really drives your passion for the paranormal, or would it be just the other way around or vice versa?
1: No, I, I think they're pretty much one and the same. It's it's just telling mm. the stories of people that were here and people that are here currently. You know, nobody knows what the paranormal is or what ghosts are, quote unquote. But right. it's uh you know, it's it's still the stories of what was there prior to the people
0: now? Well, and I think that everybody that uh, gets involved in the paranormal, uh, I, I'm, I think I'm sure everybody, but at least most, are history buffs.
1: Yeah, a little bit. And then, I don't know if we covered this in one of our previous episodes, but we actually met at the Historical Society in Silverton,
0: Silverton, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where we first met, um, you know, in person. We talked about meeting on a Facebook group, but yeah, you also volunteer at the Historical Society there in Silverton, Oregon, uh, which is a quaint little town in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, kind of, you know, known at least nationally as one of those places, you know, you got to visit the small town atmosphere, Um but uh, you know, we met there, and, and even while we were meeting, we kind of toured that, that whole facility and looked at a lot of the history there.
1: Right, and if you go down to the basement of that building, there's newspapers that go way back to the 1800s, and the publication's not even around anymore um, for Silverton, but you'll see the historians at the Historical Society go down to the basement where all those newspapers are and gather stories to tell the history of Silverton.
0: Yeah, well, and that's one of the big reasons why we want to support local journalism, because a lot of these local periodicals and newspapers, magazines, have gone the way of the dodo, and, you know, it, the the entire, you know, uh, industry is... is going downhill, you know, because of everything, you know, print media is basically dead, but uh, you know, there, there is a rise in independent journalism. And so maybe that can, can bring back some of that, that local journalism, that, that local interest, um, because people can get their news about their community through that, you know, you're not going to get, you know, news on your local community from the New York times or the wall street journal.
1: Right. Uh, when I was uh, working at the Historical Society, there was a lady in there when I told her I, I picked up a newspaper job. And she said, all I want to know is the people around our town, our small town, you know, um, and like you said, like, like the USA today and all, they're not going to pick up on small town journalism or a small town what's going on in what Dallas or you know, Silverton or all these other places. And that's why I really like doing what I, what I do.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting because some of those local papers, we will use that in our research uh, for the different investigations we take. And it's very helpful to do that. There was one thing um, that we forgot to put in on the last episode. And uh, I can't believe we forgot it. Yeah, it was kind of big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so going back in time uh, to the previous episode, where we're at the, the client's house there in Dallas, Oregon. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, episodes one and two, go ahead, hit the pause button, go back, listen to those. It'll catch you up to speed. But part, uh, during part of the investigation, you know, I was in the living room. I think you were in the back bedroom.
1: The back room where, yeah, uh, I believe the, the kids
0: room, the son's room. Yeah. Okay. And the client was out there with me in the living room. Right. We were trying to figure out who might be there. And I remember asking, you know, about age, gender, trying to figure out who was there. Are you older? Are you a man or a woman? I just heard something. Who was there? So... (laughs) Um, That was a really weird moan. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, at the time, uh, you know, you reacted to it. The client reacted to it. I had my headphones on. So it was what we call a disembodied voice. Because you could hear it without being aided by electronic devices.
1: Even though it's still caught on your electronic device. Correct. We I was still able to hear it without headphones, essentially.
0: Yeah. I, we heard you saying, What was there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean it is it is quite startling when we hear a disembodied voice unaided. I mean, it, it is it's unmistakable. It it can't be replicated at least we, I mean, we've tried, you know, so after we caught some of these disembodied voices that we played on the last episode, and of course, the one that we just played, you know, I was eager to go outside and debunk this.
1: Right. And I was happy to stay inside and listen for the debunking.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was raining off and on. You know, so, um, in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, it rains nine months out of the year and this is in November. So it's, it's, it's just going to be raining, you know, from then through like June. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not the most beautiful weather in the world, but, um, you know, so I went outside, you were inside and I started talking. In a regular voice, um, increasing my volume, decreasing the volume, walking around windows, walking around the the whole perimeter, and I radioed you and asked, "Can you can you hear me?"
1: Right. The only time I could hear you, and it was distinctly you, was when you were by the door.
0: And so it didn't sound at all like what we had heard.
1: Right. And what, what we heard, it seemed like it came from right in front of me. Mm. You know, like. Yeah. Because I was facing the the hallway, and it seemed like it was right there
0: in the hallway. Really? So it was. It must. So you're, you're saying it's coming from the hallway. So it was in between the two of us.
1: Right. So it wasn't coming from the direction of the door or the walls it was coming from
0: the hallway yeah and that's that's towards the interior of the house not the exterior mm-hmm. and oh. you know we listened back on our recorder you know while i was outside doing my yodeling or whatever and um can you give me an example no no i can't but uh <laughs> But you know, um it did not sound I mean you could tell it was me. Right. You could tell, I mean you can yeah. tell it's a person and you can tell that they're outside. Like yes. it's just it's distinct. The disembodied voices, absolutely not. I mean, it is totally different. And and unless someone's experienced that themselves, it's really hard to explain. I mean, it literally sounds like a faint voice right next to you, but it's not, it's weird because it's, it sounds like someone's yelling, but it's, but it, like, it, it's a faint voice. It doesn't, but it doesn't sound like far off in the distance.
1: I wonder if people hear that, and not realize they're hearing it. You know? Oh yeah. Like, you know, if they're, they're not listening for it, you know, listening for EVPs or disembodied voices. If, if, they would pay attention if they would pick up on it sometimes.
0: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because I wonder if what we call the paranormal, you know, this phenomena, is actually happening quite often, but we don't really recognize it. Right. And the only time it's recognized is when it disrupts someone's life. So that you know that's interesting it's that's another question for us to seek to answer you know as we do this work um, you know let let's add more questions to the list you know why not yeah we don't, why have, not? We don't
1: have we don't have enough
0: it's not like we have yeah. any right yeah and that are that are difficult to even answer anyway but um the the moan certainly you know it's uh, i could see how people would think that that's creepy I mean i it it does sound like something you'd hear on some you know scary movie
1: that would be pretty creepy, I guess if uh you're not used to it,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: you know doing it after a while you you kind of you kind of get a feel for uh these voices and they're not as scary, but you have to remember something about ghosts and the paranormal it's not like the the scary creepy movies where they're gonna jump out behind the couch and get you ghosts. In my experience, anyway, I've never been attacked by a ghost that I'm aware of.
0: Right. Well, and and so yeah, I can certainly see how someone would be creeped out by it. You know, our reaction when we listened back to it, because as soon as I heard that, you know, I was like, okay, like let's let, let's listen back and see if we actually caught it, which we did. But we started laughing because it kind of sounds like someone who like had some food poisoning or something <laughs> like some sort of digest digestive problem uh it's just that uh, <laughs> like, so um you know like where we, i think most people would be kind of creeped out you know we're, we're laughing about it you know we're <laughs> it's like either we're the ones with a problem or everyone else is i guess because <laughs> Like we're not bothered by this at all. Like we tell each and every client because they're always wanting to know, like, why aren't you guys scared? Like, why don't you freak out? Or, oh, that would creep me out. And, you know, they, they don't believe us that we, it doesn't bother us at all.
1: And I think part of the, the, the reason that is is because you have to realize that, well, the, as the theory goes, these, these were once people too. You know, and really, yeah, more to fear of the
0: living than you do of the dead. Yeah, that's what we always tell our clients, you know, uh, ain't nobody ever died from a ghost. But. Except for in the movies. Yeah, except for yeah. the movies, right? But those are movies. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's the living you have to watch out for, not the dead. The dead can't hurt you, regardless of what some weirdo on TV says, you know, because guess what, folks? TV isn't real. Uh, it's not? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is It is still mind-blowing to me how many people are easily tricked. You know, they watch these shows and they think it's real. Guess what? Reality TV is scripted. You know, it's, it's not real. It's entertainment. So... You know some of these some of these people on these shows. You know, they will be like, "Oh well, you gotta watch out." You know, this seven headed demons ready to you know kill you and your family. Always going back to the seven headed demon. <laughs> no, I usually say twelve headed demon. Uh, this time it's a little bit nicer. It's okay. a seven headed demon, right? But, lost a few heads on the way. <laughs> I already lopped off some heads. <laughs> um, but seriously, like um, you know that that doesn't make sense. Like you know, if someone were to come in and tell me that that, oh, there's, you know, a big demon in your basement ready to kill you and your family, I'd be like, first of all, like, get out of my house to the person telling me that. Second of all, I'd be like, well, prove it. Prove it. But you just kicked me out of your house. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, how are you going to prove something like that? You know, give me a break. It's nonsense. Um, So, no, nobody has ever died from any of this. No one's been seriously injured or harmed in any way.
1: Well, not they're, from the paranormal. Somebody might've like no. stepped on a crack and right their ankle or something.
0: Right. Like that's, that's more yeah. common that people like doing any kind of paranormal investigating, you know, they're in like some abandoned building, probably where they shouldn't have been in the first place. Cause they didn't Trust get passing, and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then they fall through like a floor or something, which just sets up a lawsuit, which, you know, I mean, maybe that's what their intention was, but um, you know, it's like, uh, the the most I've ever heard was, oh, I got scratched, which I think probably ninety plus percent of the time is just they don't remember scratching themselves, right? And so, um, you know, on the off chance that that is paranormal, oh my gosh, you got scratched! Oh, like I've never been scratched before in my life. Oh my god, are you gonna live? Well, you know,
1: <laughs> a lot of people who claim that they've been scratched, like the client, you know, the client's eyes, it's uh while they were sleeping. I got scratched while I was sleeping, you know? Who knows what you're doing while you're sleeping? You could be itching your forehead and now all of a sudden you wake up with a big scratch.
0: Right. Well, and, and every client we had that said they were scratched also had something else in their beds with them. Yeah. Like a dog or a cat. Dog or, or a cat. Yeah. A they goldfish. had pets in bed with them. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious right now? I mean, we're, we're very professional, very kind, nice with people who call us in, you know, we're not going to make fun of them or, or, um, you know, belittle them in any way. In my head, I'm thinking, come on, like, let's, let's put some logic and reasoning in in, into place here. You know, what's more likely that your pet, you know, moving around, might have scratched you with their claws, or there's some, you know, ghost or demon in bed with you, right. You know, what is more likely let's, let's just kind of be logical about this.
1: Well, another thing that a lot of the clients will also say is, Oh, my pet doesn't move around while I'm sleeping.
0: (laughs) It's like, you don't know that. (laughs) Well, yeah. And we've had, we've had clients saying, because they're concerned about their kids, Mm -hmm. which we take very seriously and they'll be like, Oh, they just, they have, you know, something's attacking them in the middle of night. And what do we see on camera in their room while they're asleep? Right. Another pet. Or they're moving around all the time because the parents give them a tablet to watch right before they go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Or they have a TV on in their room, which disrupts your REM cycle. So, you know, when we talk, when we do talk with our clients about this, who have young kids or claiming that their young kids are being attacked, we've noticed this every single time, every yeah. single time
1: they'll put their, their kids to bed and the TV will be on.
0: Yeah. Or they'll don't be, do that. They'll have an iPad or you know right. a tablet of some sort. Right. That, that, what is it? Blue light, you know, it disrupts your brain waves. Yeah. It makes it harder to get to REM sleep. So parents, I know it's really easy. I'm a, we're both parents. I know it's very easy to just, give a screen to the kid, right? But that's going to really give them bad sleep habits. And they will have nightmares and night terrors because of the way the brain is responding and and reacting to that stimuli. Even though they're not watching TV, like they're going to sleep, that's still on and that's still disrupting their sleep cycle. So the the brain doesn't go to sleep when we go to sleep. It still works. So... (laughs) You know, it's like we always t- talk to our clients about that. We, so we, we, we've we said, hey, like 30 minutes before bed, no screen time. Like try that and see if it makes a difference. And we had client, uh, at least one client, who who did kind of back off on the screen time. And amazingly enough, no more ghost attacking child at night.
1: It also helps if you monitor what they're watching too. Yes. You know, um, I know it's easy. Um, My daughter, she always watches YouTube, and they're, like, creators. I guess you would call them content creators. They're not always putting up, like, little spelling blocks. They're sometimes doing some scary stuff. Yeah. So even though it's a a created-at-home video or whatever, I guess you'd call that a home video, um, just make sure that it's not, like, they're not chasing – what hit the clown around or, you know, have, you know, scary. Pennywise.
0: Stuff.
1: Pennywise. Oh yeah. Pennywise. Sorry. I've only
0: seen this movie once. Shame on you. <sighs> Which one though? The new one or the original?
1: It's all the new one. I haven't oh, seen see. the second one, the second new
0: one. <laughs> well, it's not even a second one. So there are two parts. Oh, I guess. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge fan, not because of the scary. I don't even find it that scary. I, I'm not scared by clowns. Um, which we will cover, we should cover in another episode our fears, yeah, you know, individually, because, um, I think that'd be fun for our listeners, um, and they can make fun of us instead of us, you know, poking fun at all the, uh, weird stuff on TV that we think is ridiculous. Some people can have a laugh at mm-hmm. us too, because we have some irrational fears or, or, uh, things that, you know, just give us the creeps. But, um, I, you know, I do anyway, I love that, that story by Stephen King, very interesting, very spiritual. Like Stephen King actually has really deep spirituality and even theology, of course, coming from my background, having a master's in theology, you know, I love to nerd out on stuff like that. and, and, and uh, I always find Stephen King very interesting in how he presents these things. And so, you know, basically Pennywise represents fear. And, uh, hmm. you know, so it's it's just a really cool story. But Tim Curry did the original Pennywise. Okay. And that one's really good, too. So if you haven't seen that, you should definitely check it out as well. But, um, yeah, there are things that will disrupt the REM cycle if a child, especially a child, who's because they're growing.
1: And developing their brains and, already. Right,
0: right. Um, If that's disrupted, the brain's not getting what it needs and it can produce night terrors, which is quite common if that cycle is disrupted. That's why, you know, really children need those eight plus hours of uninterrupted sleep uninterrupted.
1: Yeah. And if if you're watching a YouTube show, their their volume isn't always the same. You know, and there's lights flickering and, you know, with the TV going from color to color, you know, messing, messing with their eyes, messing with their sleep, which can uh, wake them up and interrupt their sleep, as Ryan's saying.
0: Yeah. And so. Yeah, these are things that we're able to debunk and we want to debunk things so that, you know, hopefully we can tell a family, hey, there's no need to worry. There's nothing here. You know, give them some peace of mind. And going back to journalism, you know, I mentioned that we will use these some of these old newspapers for our research. And we did that on our next investigation, which was in Lafayette, Oregon.
1: When I use my witchcraft.
0: Okay, so Lafayette, we uh, got the email from the clients wanting us to meet with them and, and to talk about their claims. And, uh, you know, we uh, typically do a Zoom meeting, you know, with potential clients. Uh, we, we like to do that initial consult with, uh, potential clients, it gives us an idea to kind of, you know, know what they're, what they're claiming and, um, rule anything out. You know, oftentimes we're able to debunk some things, um, just with the initial consult.
1: So some of the claims with the initial con- uh, consult was seeing orbs in the kid's room. Mm -hmm. with the the baby monitor um most of the time we can we could debunk that right on the spot because orbs are normally about 90 percent of the time ryan says 100 but i would say 90 it's either duster bugs reflecting you know the ir light from whatever the baby monitor or light source uh with night vision equipment reflecting that light back into the camera, creating the orb effect.
0: So that was one claim that we had. Yeah, I mean, I always say, you know, 99.9% of the time it's dust and bugs, and the other, you know, 0.1% is just a light anomaly that uh, certainly does not mean paranormal.
1: And when we brought this up, saying it was dust or bugs, uh, I remember the client would would tell us his house is spotless. Yeah. His wife was always cleaning and his house is spotless. So it couldn't be dust or bugs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, unless you're in a laboratory where everyone's wearing clean suits uh, you know, those, those uh, white suits that like cover up someone's entire body and head uh, you're going to have dust and no way around just, it. yeah, there's no way around it. So um you know, we did the initial consult. We really wanted to, to get out there and help them because their claim was that their, you know, toddler was being attacked while asleep with, in his bed. Right. Waking up with scratches and right. That, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we talked about this prior to the musical interlude, uh, that, You know, we we do get this often where people are suggesting that some sort of entity, you know, unseen force is scratching them and attacking them when they've got, you know, pets and all sorts of stuff in in bed with them. Which this family did.
1: They they had pets. They had a cat. They had a dog, um, which also didn't bark or lick or any of that from his claims.
0: Yeah. So when we, so we decided to take the case and we set up a time to go out there. So we did our initial baseline. So we get to the location and the first thing was, uh, being told, Oh, just park anywhere. And then we see a sign on the road that says no parking at any time. You know, he get towed and you know, that made us a little uneasy. Uh, <laughs> I'm always uneasy when it comes to
1: parking anyway, because I used to drive a tow truck and they are ruthless. They'll take your car in a second if they see it misparked. You were that guy that was that guy, yeah, yeah, and I was that guy for about six months, and I felt bad and just stopped doing it,
0: yeah, so we get there, and the first thing we notice is that not only do they have some pets, they've got like a pet store kind of thing like. They've fish got tank and, fish tank. They've got a dog. They've got a cat. They've got guinea pigs. They've got lizards and snakes. And I mean, I did they have gerbils? And so I'm. They had or maybe they had hamsters too. Something like that. You know, they had rodents um, of some kind. And you know, we're initially thinking, oh, this is going to be a pain.
1: Yeah, contaminated.
0: Contamination everywhere. You know, how can we be sure that whatever stands out as an anomaly isn't a pet? And so we sat down in their living room with them and, you know, they went back through the claims and we learned something new uh, when we're, you know, sitting down with them. So this is something that happens, I think, every time where... In our initial consult over Zoom, we only get a portion of what they've experienced. And, and then we'll get more once we're there. And, you know, even when we have already done the investigation, we come back to do the debrief with them to show them what we have or don't have. Um, we get even more, you know, so people often will hold back, not necessarily for like nefarious purposes. I think it's either they forget or they don't want us to think that they're crazy.
1: Right. And well, this, in this case, um, we got a little insight of their, of yeah, their personality, uh, when we got there. Right. And it was, it was chaotic. It was chaotic. We'll
0: say, it was chaotic there. I think the kids were, like, trying to play with our cameras and, you know, like, checking out the elect- uh, electronic equipment, all this kind of stuff, which is just, you know, really kind of a a, a pain. You know, we don't want to, like, yell at the kids or anything, but we're also trying to, you know, hint to the parents, like, hey, uh, I don't know, maybe have some, a little bit of control here.
1: You have to kind of look at it from not just our perspective, but any, you know, uh, paranormal investigators' perspective. They pay a lot of money for this equipment. Right. So when it comes to, you know, kids uh, messing with their stuff, we don't mind, like, handing them something that won't break necessarily. But when they're just reaching into our bag and, you know, grabbing a camera or a microphone or whatever and just running around the house with it. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of, I would say, it gets on my nerves a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so we sat down in the living room with them. They're going back over the claims, and they bring up something that they didn't talk about in the consult, which was a toy going off on its own.
1: So, so what the client said, the female client, it was a little toy airplane that would make... Uh, like a siren sound or a flying sound, they didn't have the actual toy with them. So they brought out a little fire truck and pushed pushed the button to give an example of what was going on. And <laughs> it was going off. And that's when we got our first taste of the chaos.
0: Yeah, well, um, <laughs> you know, you kind of expect that when you hand a toy to the kid, a kid, you know, they're they're going to play with it right I mean yeah <laughs> this is kind of the way it goes Um you hand a toy to me I'm probably going to play with it for a mm-hmm. while I'll probably sit there and push the buttons too right Um but the claim was that the toy was going off in the middle of the night right yeah I mean I I, I really don't I don't know what to do with that you know it's really hard to say that that's paranormal to me unless we can like ask something repeatedly to you know make a toy go off or move you know and you know we we've we've been able to get like consistent not like oh it happened once oh it must be a ghost i mean like several times on command you know and something is interacting intelligently i don't i don't want to chalk that up to paranormal
1: And in the paranormal world, we call that a a trigger object, like a toy or a ball, and see if uh, something will interact with it. Uh, But yeah, like I said, this wasn't the case.
0: No, it was just triggering our frustration because (laughs) we're trying to have a serious conversation and everything's just going off the rails in the house, which, you know, we're both parents. We have have little ones, but, uh, you know, we don't typically have that level of chaos in our home. Uh, So... Uh, it, you know, it, it gave us some insight into, you know, hey, what what might be going on here? You know, like, is this really paranormal activity? Is it just a chaotic home? You know, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, we're trying to assess. You know, that's why it's so important for us to sit down in the physical space with the clients and really try to review this stuff.
1: That's kind of how we, we developed our, our science and our process. First, we do it over zoom, you know, to get kind of a a fill for the client and then we'll meet with them in person, kind of see how they are and how they interact with their environment. And then we'll go into the investigation and then we actually come back and do a debrief. So it's about three sessions that we'll sit down with the clients Um, One-on-one before we actually get into the paranormal stuff.
0: So they're telling us about the toy and then they go over some of the other claims specifically talking about this video from the sun's room that is the alleged orb
1: Which they were able to pull up on their TV through Bluetooth or whatever. And they showed us the orb. And Ryan and I, we we already knew what it was.
0: Yeah, so it was, you know, right above the bed there's this, you know, quote-unquote orb that, like, comes down towards the kid's pillow and the kid, you know, like moves and stuff. Right. And then it like moves off.
1: Right. I actually came toward the camera.
0: Mm hmm. And, you know, we zoomed in on that. Where you, I think you had said either at the time or later that, oh, it's a bug. Yeah, you could see, like, the wings and stuff kind of...
1: Well, you could also tell how they move, too. Like, bugs in in the camera, you could see how they move. They're not... They don't just flow straight. They kind of do zigzags and all that kind of weird stuff.
0: Right, there's not, like, a specific flight pattern. You know, it's kind of erratic. It was clearly not, you know, uh, a ghost that, you know, like you see on a movie or something, right? Like this isn't some like see-through person. That's like walking up to the bed and like poking the kid in the face or something. Um, you know, and I'm never impressed by orbs. Like I, I see this all the time, um, on paranormal groups, you know, like social media groups and things like that. People are posting, Oh my gosh, look at this amazing evidence I caught. And it's like a piece of dust. And people are like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Oh this is so cool. Like that's groundbreaking and I'm like first of all even if that was paranormal that's what's supposed to make me like jump up and down and shout like wow, Eureka, we caught it. Right? Like a little ball of light? No. I want to see like a full bodied apparition that is unmistakable that walks up and is like Hey, what's up? My name's Bob, right? Like, so I mean, like, give me something. This is ridiculous. You know, I'm always itching for that. Like, give me something real. Like, if we're, if we're really um, going to base an entire theory on like a light anomaly, which is just dust or a bug, like, come on, folks, let, let's do something better than that. But You know, they were pretty adamant that it was paranormal.
1: So basically, when I talk about orbs and tell people about them, you need to consider the light source. Sometimes, you know, if your light source is an infrared light, such as a baby monitor, they use infrared lights. Uh,
0: Which this one was, right?
1: Yeah, this one had infrared lights. It was a baby monitor. That was a light source. So it's just reflecting the, you know, the bug. The bug's body, if it's shiny, back into the camera. But if it's a, um, if you're taking still photos with a camera, did you use a flash? If you have a flash on, is there an orb in there? Your flash is reflecting off of whatever that dust or bug is right back into the lens. And that's how you get your orbs.
0: Yeah. And even it depends on what kind of camera you're using. Uh, you know, what ki- are you using a still camera, using a digital camera, using uh, a camcorder using handheld mini DV. Like, I mean, come on, like there's all these types of equipment and, you know, whatever it is, you really need to understand your equipment before making a jump to a, a, you know, a pretty huge conclusion. So, you know, we, we know our equipment we know how to use it. We understand, you know, all the things that folks might say. Oh, that's paranormal. We understand that it's just you know the 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 equipment that we're using. But uh, they were, I would say, they kind of argued a bit about it. Mostly the the husband, um, you know, like. And we'll talk about this more in the next episode when we talk about the full investigation. But you know, when they were there with us during our full investigation, I mean he was trying to monitor the cameras with us and like I mean <laughs> it was <laughs> like every few minutes. It, I mean it was probably more than that. Oh like, yeah. Like, oh there's a ghost. There's a ghost. There's an orb. There's an orb. Like, you know, it's like, no, you that's point to the
1: TV. See what see, see what I what that is over there? <laughs> yeah it's dust bud
0: yeah um but
1: my house is totally spotless no no <laughs> it's not you know that's was, that's was his argument
0: yeah so um if if our listeners haven't caught on how chaotic this was um then maybe there are they are now so you know we're trying to be really polite we're trying to be professional we're trying to explain like no this isn't This isn't like a ghost or alien or Sasquatch. This is just a piece of dust or a bug, which we, we concluded it was a bug, um, which doesn't mean, oh, well, y'all are just unclean and, you know, (laughs) pigs living in a pigsty kind of thing. It's just like, no, no, no. Like this is just normal. Um, and then, you know, I remember asking, have you heard any voices And immediately the husband says, no, no. And she said, well, you know, actually, yeah. And he immediately was like, no, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. And.
1: Really dismissive.
0: Yeah. Which, which I found really odd. And she said, yeah, I've heard some voices. And he said, well, you didn't tell me that. She goes, yeah, I did. You know, and then they start arguing about whether or not she told him that or, you know, whether or not she heard voices. And, and we're kind of like, well, <laughs> we're not really interested in whether or not who, you know, who said what to whom at what time, right? Like we're just trying to like understand your experience here, you know, and and it doesn't mean that it's paranormal, like just because you hear voices doesn't mean it's paranormal. Right. Um, so we're just trying to, assess the situation, right? Um, And that's an important part, you know, that we'll cover in the next episode because that was actually a very important piece of information. But um, she then told us about this story about the the local area, right? So it was... A witch, basically.
1: <laughs> She's a witch. She's a witch <laughs> burner.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the The alleged witch story of Lafayette, Oregon. So, what was this like? The, the, the claim.
1: They they were out in a cemetery or something, and they they yeah. saw the
0: yeah. So she was out. Yeah, right. She yeah. was with some friends back mm-hmm. in like high school, right?
1: Yep. And yeah they they saw a witch or they claimed they saw a witch hanging from an oak tree in that cemetery um and they started running they started running out yeah or away from the cemetery
0: yeah well she said that um it was either before they saw that quote unquote witch hanging from the tree or after that that was was it she got scratched or her friend got scratched she was like touched she said and then they ran out of the cemetery right right she said that
1: she lifted up her shirt and saw, saw oh yeah
0: yeah right um so that was you know kind of a fantastical story to hear and it, it didn't really stop there so
1: but it's it's also a local legend too that's not just um, unique to this family it's, it's one that's within the whole community
0: yeah she told us that there was this um, curse on the town so this is kind of how it went cue spooky music a long time ago In Lafayette, Oregon, there was a witch. Thunder and lightning. Uh, So, uh, the story is basically that some woman was a witch um, in Lafayette back in the 19th century. That should be your first red flag. Uh, And then she was... So The story varies. She was either hung or burned at the stake, um, second red flag. And upon her execution, had yelled out to the crowd that she would return to exact vengeance, that the city would burn three times and then it would be destroyed. All in all, not a bad story. Um, You know, I'm sure sure that's something that, uh, you know, is uh, really entertaining around a campfire. But the story then went from that to, and then not long after the city burnt the first time, you know, and then it's like, you know, Uh, 20 years after that, the city burned a second time, you know, and like it keeps, you know, going and the city burns three times. And so what's waiting now is for the city to eventually be destroyed by the witch, you know? And so these locals, you know, mostly teenagers, I'm sure going out. Well, in this case, it was teenagers Mm -hmm. going out to the local cemetery where, the witch was allegedly hung or in one version of the story burnt at the stake. Right. So I looked into this, of course, we wanted to track this down because I was ready to call BS. As soon as I heard like the beginning of the story, number one, accused witches were not, burned at the stake that was reserved for people accused of heresy and the last alleged witch to be executed in the united states was in like the late 18th century and maybe like it, it was i think it might have been like early 1800s like very early uh in new york right i oregon there yeah there, there is absolutely no uh case of an alleged witch being executed outside of you know New England slash you know the the mid-Atlantic um that's just not a thing and so uh we also need to point out there's no such things as Witches flying on broomsticks and putting curses and hexes on people. That's not a thing. Um, you know, do you disagree, Derek? <laughs> no, I don't disagree. You. I was
1: just, sorry, I watched the new Hocus Pocus the other day, so...
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so because... And I think it's absolutely important to point that out because the, the people who were accused of witchcraft... You know, were were what we would call basically today, um, naturopaths <laughs> like people who used natural remedies to cure ailments and disease. Uh, there were also women who kind of just refused to go along with, you know, their, their um, status in society at that time, which was to be subject to men, and so standing up and, and being independent, having a voice. And I guess I can't, you know, apparently, uh, you know, a few times rubbing some plant oil on themselves, you know, like, Oh, you must have demons. You're worshiping the devil, you know, Goody Proctor. I saw her consorting with the devil. So let's hang her. Sounds like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a natural assumption, right? We should just hang everyone who uses essential oils. So, um, bad news listeners, if you use any kind of natural remedy, you're going to have to be hanged now. Okay. Cause you've been consorting with the devil. That's the rules. Sorry. We didn't pick yep, them up. Them's the rules. Okay. And so, you know, this, and, and we, we try to debunk these things, not just because, you know, it's, it's nonsense, but because we don't want to see our culture go back to anything like that. We don't want to perpetuate this kind of toxic uh, way of of thinking and acting in society. So we looked into it. um, And this is where the the newspapers, you know, the local journalism paid off. There you go. That's why I do it. There you go. So whenever there is a witch who gets hung, Derek's going to be there to write the story on it.
1: Yep. And I'm going to take pictures too.
0: And so uh we found the article. And the true story is way more intriguing, mysterious, and you know, could honestly be a podcast episode in and of itself than the fake story, the urban myth.
1: I think that's how most urban myths start though, or get started, is it it comes from a true story and it oh, yeah. gets, you know, Put yep. out, or uh, it gets it gets way out of whack.
0: Yeah, and and so it gets distorted, and people take it over, and and kind of it just it goes off from there. But in this case, what had happened was there was a young man who had murdered another man. Okay. This. Man who was murdered just happened to be the assailant's, the perpetrator's mother's husband. So it wasn't his father. He was an adult at this time, so it wasn't like it. I mean, you could say it was his stepdad, but it was his, his mother's husband. Okay, she had been widowed and she remarries her son as an adult at the time. And so it was a pretty quick process, you know, from arresting this man, taking him to trial, having a sentence of death, and him hanging on the gallows. And the account of this woman screaming out a curse on the town is not in keeping with the actual account. So in the article, it stated very clearly that the entire uh, group that was watching him hang was silent because it took him, I think, what was it, 12 minutes to die?
1: So his neck didn't break. Yeah, his neck didn't break. Um,
0: And so everyone was just aghast. And nobody said anything, and so that that was in the article that everything was just eerily silent as they watched this man die. And what, and, and this is what's really intriguing about this story: you don't have to make up some witch story to make this one like into a true kind true crime podcast episode, because after he was executed, some people started talking because. You know, they found it interesting that she was the sole inheritor of her husband's estate. Now, he wasn't, like, incredibly wealthy, but he was a successful shopkeeper in town. Right. And so there were murmurings. She ends up disappearing. She takes off. And they were able to trace her. So there was another story done, this one more recently, from another local journalist who actually was able to to find out what where she'd gone so she had actually fled the town and gone down to like southern oregon where she lived out the rest of her days um witch free apparently uh, so um Not i think around there's
1: broom or you know making <laughs> yeah. witches brew or what, all that <laughs> good stuff
0: yeah so um what the theory was that developed was that Um, the mother had manipulated her son into killing her husband. uh, And they stood to inherit, you know, a lot of money between them. But her son really wasn't that bright. Uh, And it's also not as easy as people think to cover up a crime. Uh, so there was a lot of eyewitnesses that saw him like walking out with a hatchet or something like that covered in blood. they like, I think they found it at his residence. Like, I mean, you know, not the brightest bulb in the box. Right. Um, but, uh, there, that was the, the murmurings and, you know, I mean, whether or not she was involved is, you know, for debate, but, you know, I find that much more intriguing than the, the urban myth. And, you know, the the whole notion, again, of just like, witches hexing a town and all this, you know, because because the the argument in favor of there being a curse was that, well, there have been, you know, massive fires in the town. Well, let's think it through logically, you know, until the, you know, advent of steel construction you know, and fire codes, mm-hmm. everything was made out of wood. And what was the main light source oil lanterns, knock hmm. it over. And hmm. I wonder on. what could happen. Right. So um, of course things burned, you know, you have all wood construction and oil lanterns for light. So um, we, We're able to thoroughly debunk that, but we really needed to also go and check out this cemetery and find this, you know, uh, witch hanging from the tree. So we went out to the cemetery, which we don't really do. We don't like to investigate cemeteries. It's not really a thing it's It's hard because there's so much contamination.
1: We had cars driving by and dogs barking, dogs barking, headlights, you know, going by, making shadows. yeah,
0: so we get out there and you know the first thing we noticed was how destroyed it was.
1: yeah, broken headstones and all that stuff.
0: Oh my goodness, I mean, years, decades of teenagers going to find the witch have just wrecked this whole cemetery. And, you know, that's something that is really frustrating. Yeah, that bothers me.
1: Yeah, and just like writing newspapers, writing the stories of these people, this is their final resting place and who it is you know it's it's all documentation yeah it's it's just
0: getting destroyed it's somebody's family member you know these people have a story um this is their memorial leave them alone uh that's just ridiculous to me and i kind of discount a lot of the whole claims of cemeteries being haunted anyway why would you ever go back to the place where you're like buried. Like why wouldn't you go hang out somewhere else? Like I wouldn't hang out at my grave. I'd go like hang out at a bar or something. Right. Like go have a good time. Uh, I'd probably, uh, you know, go find some people I didn't like in life and just like, just torment them at night. You know, not like being mean, just like probably like trying to over sing a, a glass song or something. Yeah. I mean like singing a song that nobody really wants to hear over and over again. Like it's a small world, you know, and just absolutely torment them for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah, that sounds more fun to me than like hanging out at my gravesite. But um, you yeah, know, that was the first thing we noticed. And we did really kind of I mean, we feel like we were able to deep to debunk that whole witch hanging from the tree.
1: Right. And looking at it, it was granted it was dark, but there was it was nothing. It was a tree. There was an oak tree there. So that part was probably the most true part about the whole story.
0: Well, do you remember? (laughs) So remember the branch, there was, there was a branch that had grown kind of sideways. Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of headed vertical and, and in the, you know, we could see that in the right season with leaves, Mm -hmm. right. And the right lighting, it could look like someone hanging from the tree because it kind of came down a bit below all the other branches. So like that, that we could see how someone would mistake that, especially they already have that story in their mind. Yep, They're going there specifically to try to see this, anything that could look similar. They've already, you know, their brain has already told them it's a witch hanging from a tree. Um, And the whole scratching thing, you know, look, we weren't there. We weren't there. We can't say that, you know, she was, touched by a spirit or not, touched by an angel. Uh, we can't say that she was touched by a spirit or not or scratched by, you know, a spirit or not. You know, I have my sincere doubts, um, but I wasn't there, right? Um, we didn't, I mean, it was peaceful. We didn't think there was anything, you know, going bump in the night there. I mean, we spent, what was it like, at least an, an hour and a half there or something like that? I mean, we, we spent a lot of time, and it was beautiful. I mean, we checked than, out
1: the whole place too. We walked yeah.
0: around Oh yeah,
1: the entire place.
0: Yeah, and and it overlooks the whole city. It's up on a hill. It's 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 really pretty up there. Um there was nothing that indicated to me that there was something, you know, evil going on in this cemetery, you know, like, oh, come on. Like it's just a bunch of dead bodies. Um you know, like and and honestly, um it doesn't make sense to me why people would trash something like that. That I still don't like I can't compute that doesn't compute for me. Like, this is why we can't have nice things, right? Like, because people just go and trash it.
1: Especially when they're not supposed to be there. There's there's reasons why there's certain times that certain locations have posted. It's because during those off times, that's when people are are doing things they're not supposed to.
0: Right. I mean, it, it's not just looking for a witch. It's mm-hmm. doing all sorts of other things that you're probably not supposed to do. But, um, you know, we were able to thoroughly debunk the, not only the story, the myth, right. Of this witch. Gone through um,
1: historical documents like newspapers.
0: Right. And, you know. and, and the local journalism at the time that really, and, and recently that, helped us to do that, but also to go to the cemetery and like kind of see it for ourselves and be able to come up with a pretty reasonable sound explanation for what people are seeing or at least claiming to see. So we were intrigued, you know, we wanted to continue, you know, of course, um, you know, we did our sweep and everything. There were no anomalies that we saw in the house. Um, you know, I didn't really think that we were going to catch anything there that was paranormal. Um, but we wanted to give them, you know, our, our full attention and, and do a thorough job. You know, that's just how we do things. Even though, um, you know, I at least on every investigation say we're not going to find anything every single time. Every single time. And guess what happens? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're going to see it through to the end, and and we're going to give them answers because that's ultimately what this is about. We want to provide answers to families and individuals. So, you know, we're going to to see this through until we have um, solid answers that we can provide for them. So, you know, this was, this was fun. Uh, we're spending a little bit more time kind of delving into, um, you know, our cases and, and also just kind of our, our process process. Yeah. And, and, you know, what we have kind of, what you know, our opinions are of the paranormal and, and uh, so, you know, this, the next episode we're going to go into detail about the full investigation of Lafayette. Um, which was really surprising. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool. It's a cool one. So, you know, uh, if you like the show, give us a good rating. Uh, how many stars Derek? Yeah, let's do five. Five, five. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, we can't count any higher than that. So let's do five stars. Don't forget to share it too. Yeah. Share it with your friends, family. I I don't care. Share with your enemies. The more people that listen, you know, the better, right? Um, but if you don't like the show, we hate you. You're dead to us, um, you know.
1: Still give it
0: five stars. <laughs> still give it five stars anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, as always, you know, we appreciate you listening. As always, you can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com ghost warriors paranormal. All one word ghost warriors paranormal or on our website at www.ghostwarriors.org. Until next time, I'm Ryan. And I'm Derek. And we're helping you demystify the paranormal.